I, I said uh, to some of our staff earlier today, I said, I feel like this weekend with opening the building, we're, we're summiting a mountain that we started climbing five years ago and got stuck in a blizzard on. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are. And uh, God has been incredible, and he's been faithful, and you have been incredible, and you have been faithful. And uh, when we do stuff like this, when we get to, to do something, dream something together that you can touch and feel and see and measure, uh, it's just a reflection of, of uh, sacrifice, it's a reflection of passion, it's a reflection of love for all the people who are going to be affected by it, and it's, it's, and it's a reflection of, of hard work, and it's a, it's a reflection of, of um, endurance, you know, and all the things I think that God wants from his people, and, and we do that all the time. We do that in relationships all the time. That's what God wants us to do, but there's, there's something unique every once in a while, like I said, when it's physical, like you, all that is tied up in that, you know, it's, it's bricks and mortar, but it's always more than that. And so it's fun, it's fun. And I, I, uh, I'm so thrilled and so excited and, uh, and so happy that we're here. It was, um, I had been saying four and a half years ago, we started this process, but I was thinking about it this week and I realized it was five years ago. So it, it, was, uh, it was in the fall of 2018 uh, that we started to plan, we started to get quotes, we started to talk to the leadership about doing this, and then it was in, uh, in March of 2019 that all of us got on board and made financial commitments and prayer commitments. So it's five years later, and, uh, and to see uh, what God has done and to see his faithfulness has just been incredible. So thank you guys, thank you for your patience. Thanks for. Your faithfulness. It's not been the easiest few years, has it? So thank you for that. And uh, thanks for dreaming dreams together. I was, I was talking to a, a, a guy that wants to start a church, and he said, what should I look for when I start a church? Should I look for like, where they're building new houses and where jobs are coming and this and that, you just kind of run through those things. And I looked at him, I, I said, just find a group of people that will dream with you. And it really doesn't matter where you are or where you sit or what city you're in. Just find a group of people that will dream with you. And if they'll dream with you and they will share a passion for the lost with you, then you know that you've got a, you've got a church to work with. And, and all the years ago when Heidi and I came here, you know, we, have, we never prayed for a big church. We prayed for a brave one, right? Because this stuff takes guts. It takes a lot of guts. And, uh, and, it, and faithfulness takes guts. And so to, to see God reward us in these ways and then to think about all the lives that are gonna be affected, um, those, are, those are the prayers. So these buildings are tools. They're not trophies. They're not the dream of grace. You're the dream of grace. And, and all the people who are, have yet to be impacted with the good news of Jesus, you know, that's the dream. And these things just facil facilitate that stuff because the weather's gonna be really bad really soon. And so um, it's, it's a place for us to do that. So thank you for all of it. I'm grateful, I'm grateful for how Jesus has created 
a local church for himself, full of people who have a unity of heart and a passion to love the lost and to pour ourselves out for them. I'm also grateful, I was thinking about this a lot this week, I'm grateful that, that that's, a, that's a, a passion and a unity that's shared through the generations. You know, we uh, spent a lot of time like putting stuff together this last week. So many of you have volunteered and, uh, and been a part of it, and it was fun. I was here last weekend. I was helping out a little bit, but I didn't want to get a blister, you know, or sweat. And so I was just helping out a little bit, and uh, I was walking around, and I, I'm looking at, like, uh, folks who are older than me, um, significantly, and they're helping out and putting things together. And then I'm looking at, like, people my age, you know, and we're helping out and putting things together. And then I'm looking, like, at a bunch of college kids. And just watching, like they're, they're putting together all the sports equipment, having fun. And then I'm looking at children run around and they're wiping down baseboards. And I thought, this is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. You have an, an older generation that is investing in a younger generation. You have young adults that are investing in students. You have students that are investing in kids. And, and the, the unity that it takes for all of this to happen and to see that God has created something for himself like that is just a blast and it's a riot. I think it's pleasing to him and, and it's, it's fun to see. So you look back over the last five years, you witnessed the birth of a dream and we just asked like if God would let us do this, would he create a harvest for himself through it? We witnessed the fueling of a dream. You know, $10 million was given over that, the life of that campaign. And that's the building, and that's restore, and that's interns and residents. That's all of it. Uh, the fact that you go through a global pandemic and that is paid for. We paid cash for that building. It's unbelievable that that, yeah, you thought about that, you know, and, and, uh, and restore is up and running. We paid cash for that too. You know, and, and just the sacrifice that goes into and the lives that are changed, it's fun to see it, see it all come together. So when I thought about this weekend and like what to talk about a little bit, uh, this weekend, what I want to do with, with you is just talk about the opportunity that, that this dream of this athletic facilities and all that goes around it affords to us and, uh, and what we can do through it. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about... Uh, this, I was just thinking about the scripture, and I got to thinking about the Israelites, and there's this really, really uh, interesting scene right at the beginning of Joshua where Israel is uh, getting ready to cross into the promised land, and God does a miracle, and what he does is he parts the Jordan River, and so he, he kind of stops it up upstream, and then it flowed out, and the Bible says when they cross, they cross on dry land, and, and uh, the Bible says when they got across the Jordan River, uh, Joshua looked at the, at the folks. He said, what I want you to do is I want everybody to get 12 big stones. So one for every tribe of Israel. And he said, I want you to go into the middle of the river and I want you to build an altar or a memorial to what God has done here. And so uh, that's what they did. They, they put those 12 stones into like the, the, that dry riverbed and it was to serve as a memorial to God's faithfulness and his goodness. And that's how they began their time in the promised land. And I want us, when we, when we remember this weekend and when we look at this building, 
I want us to think of the building that way. These buildings are not to be worshiped. Uh, These buildings are tools, they're not trophies. But they should put a smile on your face. Uh, These buildings are memorials, so to say, and they remind us of God's faithfulness. One of my favorite things to do when I I, uh, come to the building here at Gent Road is I'll park way out in the back, and I do that just mostly to get my truck out of the way, but I like to park out there and I like to walk in. Usually the parking lot's empty when I first get here, and I like to walk in because I can still visualize this little country church that we came to 23 years ago. And uh, out in the back there, that would have been like foul territory of the softball field. Like I could still visualize like what that used to be, what that used to be and things like that. And I like to look at the building and I don't like to look at the building because I, I want to worship it. I like to look at the building because it reminds me how faithful God is and how good he is. It's a memorial to that. It's a memorial that puts my, my mind back to the heart of God. And, and I want you guys to do that. When you, when you come into these new buildings and you look at them from the outside, I just want you to smile a little bit. And it's not, we have not achieved the Great Commission because we put bricks and mortar up, but it is something that we should remember how good God is and how good he is to us. And that's what the Israelites did. They, they looked at that memorial, that altar, and they're like, that, that reminds us of that. Now, they didn't stand there at the Jordan River and say, now let's build, let's build our homes right here. They just remembered that, that that was the gateway to what God was actually calling them to. And so when we open a new facility like this, that's kind of the same way. It's the gateway to what God is actually calling us to and the vision that he put on our heart that caused us to act on it in the first place. So I just want to talk about that for a few minutes because when, when we started dreaming these dreams five years ago, nobody knew how the world was going to change, right? Nobody, nobody knew what was going to go down uh, in the last five years. And so what I realized is that God knew, so God went ahead of us. And the things, the reasons why we spent all the money and did all the work and made all the commitment and the reasons why we did all that, it wasn't to have a building. It was so that people could be reached through one. And the opportunities that we saw five years ago are so much greater today than they were five years ago. And the opportunity to use that tool as a way to engage the harvest is so much greater than it was five years ago. We didn't know how, we thought it was amazing five years ago. Five years later, you're like, oh my goodness, the Lord pre-positioned us for more than we could ever ask and imagine. So as we remember and enjoy, and I want us to remember and enjoy and to remember God's faithfulness, I also kind of want us to see the opportunities that are ahead of us a little bit. And I want us to think a little bit about how we're gonna engage those opportunities. So I just wrote in my notes, we have these opportunities to embrace these dreams together. How do we do that? And how does that play out? So this is what I, I wrote down. Uh, to embrace these opportunities that God has given to us, the, the first thing that's important is that we move forward in a united purpose. We move forward in a united purpose. We, we talked about this a lot as we were talking about building this building. This is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The apostle Paul says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share 
and its blessings. And we talked about why, why a gymnasium, like of all the things, why a gymnasium? And we said, because it's a common ground. It's a common ground in our culture. We're gonna meet you in the gym before we meet you in the auditorium. The relationships are gonna be built there before they transfer over here, so to say. In our community and in our world, there's something about the gymnasium that makes sense to everyone. The soccer leagues, the basketball leagues, the volleyball, the pickleball, all of it. Like it makes sense to people that they would be involved in all of that. And we look and say, well, that's the common ground and we're gonna do everything we can to spread the good news on that common ground. We'll meet you there, but we're gonna meet you there with a purpose, we're gonna meet you there for a reason, and we want you to know the good news and the hope of, of Jesus Christ. I wanna spread the good news, but that good news is best received on that common ground. So you start thinking about that and you start to see it. Coming to church is a very unfair proposition, right? You guys show up when I tell you, you sing the songs that I know, and then you sit and listen to whatever I decided you needed to hear this week. It's a very, very unfair. You put it in any other sector of life, it's not gonna fly at all, but it, somehow it works in church. By the way, our next series is gonna be fantastic. So be here, sit there, and you're gonna like it, right? So, but it's a very, very unfair proposition to say, oh, come to church with me. But come and play basketball with me. See? It's a totally different conversation. Why? Because it's a common ground. If you're a lost person, I say, come to church with me, I'm the best. I know more about the Bible. I know when to clap. I know you're not supposed to get up and leave until after the last song, although a lot of you do, especially in the back. <laughs> See? I know I'm the best. You get on that basketball court with me, it's, different. it's a common ground. There's not, a, there's not a power relationship, there's a peer relationship. It's a completely different place, it's a common ground. You walk into that volleyball court with me, it's a common ground. It's a common ground. Because I can do something I'm good at or I enjoy and maybe you can do it. It's a common ground, it creates a different relationship. You walk on that pickleball court with me, that's just an addiction and possibly a cult, right? But like, you see what I'm saying? It changes it. And so the, remember, the reason that we did, this is not the rec center for Grace Church. This is a common ground for our community. It's not a cathedral to sports. It's a marketplace in which the gospel can be discussed. And when you build these relationships and then you infuse those relationships with the gospel, with the love of Jesus, with the power of relationship, God does incredible things through that. So how do we, how do we kind of move into the promised land? Well, we just stay united in that. We stay united in that. And that's not the only common ground. That's just one that really makes a difference in Northeast Ohio because our weather's bad most of the time. And so if I can come do that inside and I'm invited to do that, and that's a big deal where we live. So it's a common ground that, that we pick up. The ground, the ground is not the important part. The commonality is. 
And when I can sit down with you and say, this is how Jesus has changed my life. This is what he's doing for me. What's happening in your life? And you change that thing where these, these really spiritual people and I'm supposed to somehow enter their world. And I kind of feel dumb or lost a lot when I do that. You just shift that to the other side of the lobby. And it becomes a completely different relationship. So as we move forward in that purpose, we remember that. We remember that everything athletic, everything fitness, everything, it all has to have a spiritual redemptive uh, element to it or it's just not gonna happen. And we start to see God use that and we say focus on it, then God is gonna allow us, right? He's gonna allow us to be used on his behalf. The second thing I wrote down was this, we have to, in order to do this, we have to move forward in a united passion. We have to move forward in a united passion. I'm always struck in John chapter four. John chapter four is where Jesus went and he was talking to this lady that came out to a well. And the lady had a history of rejection and pain and broken marriages and powerlessness and, and all the rest. And, and she started to interact with Jesus and he said, I know you're looking for something and I'm the living water, you're looking for me. And this lady was considered unclean and she was considered unacceptable and you know, the kind of people you don't want around because they might mess your kids up. That was this lady. And, and uh, Jesus and his disciples went up to this place, he was talking to this lady, right before he started talking to her, his disciples left to get some lunch and that when they came back, Jesus was talking to this unclean, unwanted, undesirable, might mess the kids up lady. And the Bible says that when the disciples came back, they were shocked that he was talking to her. How could, how could you talk to that one that we've been taught rejects God, rejects us, doesn't love us, that's Samaritan. How could you talk to her? They were shocked. And as Jesus was interacting with them about their shock, and they were like, don't you, here we got your lunch. Jesus looked at them in John chapter four and he said, he explained, he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and with finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say to you, wake up and look around the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike. And as we, as we start to engage in this new season of Grace Church, it's fun, it's a new season of Grace Church. We have to do that in a united passion for the harvest. If we're not careful, we will interpret a crumbling culture as a culture that God has taken his hand off and turned his heart from. And what we often misunderstand as a crumbling culture, Jesus sees as a ripening harvest. Five years ago, when things seemed more normal, we looked and said, 
the harvest is beckoning the harvesters into the field. We're gonna, we're gonna tell you about Jesus. We're gonna surround you with Jesus. We're gonna introduce you to the Bible. We're gonna introduce you to the church. And five years ago, we looked and said, and people will look at us and say, but there's a ball involved, right? As long as there's a ball involved, I don't really care what you say or what you do. Five years ago, when we started dreaming this dream, we're like, yeah, there's a ball involved. Okay, I'm in. And we looked and said, it's the weirdest thing in the world. So rare that the harvest would beckon, that the world would beckon the church. Five years later, in a different world, the opportunity to proclaim the gospel is stronger, clearer, and more readily available than I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And we have a field, a common ground to meet people looking for that gospel. Over the last four years, over the last four years, so through all of COVID, through, over the last four years, 801 people have accepted Jesus at the Bath campus of Grace Church. Just in the last four years. That is a ripening harvest. Adults, children, teenagers, young adults, it's a whole mix. Coming to Christ because we're looking at them not as people who might disagree with us, not as people who have different views of things than we did, not as political opposition, but united in passion, this is the fields that are white, they're ready to be harvested. And the plan, the plan from Jesus all along, it's in the book, super clear, is that his people, his church, are to stand in between a world that's destined for eternal death and proclaim to them eternal life. That is the purpose of the church. Everything else comes after that. Everything else comes after that. If we exist as a church and we know the Bible inside and out, we know Christian culture inside and out, we know each other inside and out, and we leave behind us a city that does not know Christ, we failed. So it's the people of God that stand in between a hurting, lost, dying world and hell and proclaim Christ to them. And we can do that on a common ground. All you gotta do is put a ball in it. And as we have done that again and again and again, it's a lie that people are not open to the gospel, it's not true. It's a lie that they're anti-Jesus, that's not true. They might not like the church, and they may not understand the teachings of the Bible, but you get two layers deep in there, and what you're gonna find are souls that are hungry, souls that are lost, and souls who wanna know about the good news of Jesus Christ. There's two things that just keep this in front of me so much. One is collective, our young adult ministry. And what God is doing in collective is mind-boggling. But last spring, collective took a retreat. And I think they prayed for 300 people, 300 people to go on the retreat. 
and they only hit like 260, <laughs> didn't even hit their goal, right? So they had like 260 young adults go on this, on this retreat. They go on the retreat, they proclaim Christ to a lost and dying world in their way. But they told people about Jesus. They had all kinds of people accept Jesus on the retreat, right? And there are people there that come to grace, some don't. There are some there that struggle with their sexual identities, that some don't. Some were homeless, some were on parole. Some were a whole mix of group of people, just a harvest. They proclaimed Jesus, and then they were gonna have a baptism. And they scheduled two people to be baptized. So they baptized these two people, told their story, told their testimony, they baptized these two people. They had, they had just had a session, and so they're outside, they're doing all this. And then uh, Pastor Josiah said, anybody else want to be baptized? And for the next four hours, they just baptized and baptized. Tell me your story, and I baptized you. Tell me your story, I baptized My wife, Heidi, was there, and she called me, and she said, I'm witnessing a revival. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And when the gospel is proclaimed on a common ground, it makes sense. Our high school ministries, our student ministries, we go to a conference every year in the summertime. It's called Momentum Youth Conference. And at Momentum Youth Conference, I was, uh, I, I was speaking at it the last night. There's like 2,000 teenagers I was speaking at it the last night, and the last night, I gave two, two invitations in the same sermon. I said, first of all, if any of you feel called to full-time vocational ministry, pastor, missionary, director, if you feel like God has laid that on your heart and you just have a unique call because David was a teenager, Joseph was a teenager, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego was a teenager, Daniel was a teenager, right? I'm pretty sure God, most of the disciples were too. So I'm pretty sure God can speak through a teenager. I said, any of you feel called to full-time ministry? That was the first call. The second one was this. I said, any of you feel called to, to being a, a missional marketplace leader? Don't view your career as a job. View it as a mission field and a calling. And we had explained all of this. So I'm standing there in front of these 2,000 teenagers. Our kid, we had a couple hundred of our own kids there. And I'm standing there and I said, any of you feel called to full-time ministry? I said, I don't want the band to play. I don't want the lights to dim. And nobody's allowed to clap. Because nobody, ain't nobody gonna clap for you. It's not the way this works. I said, you come forward right now. And they had a piece of paper. And I said, you put this piece of paper here and we're gonna follow up with you and we're gonna help you be in full-time ministry. I did that 300, 300 teenagers. It was, I, I stopped the invitation and I said, do you, are you sure you heard me? So I said, I said, I did. I said, I said, are you sure you heard me? Do you understand I'm asking you if you want to go into full-time ministry? Is God moving? And then I did the one for the marketplace leaders. I said, you want, to be, you want to be salt and light in the marketplace. God uses you in the business world or the medical world or the, whatever world you go into. 
And we had explained all that, and I said, then you come forward. Almost a thousand, almost a thousand of them. You have a generation, a generation that's saying, we'll do it, we'll do it. You have a generation that says, we'll proclaim it, we'll accept it. The harvest is ripe. And Jesus says, if you're a harvester or a planter, there is a great, great joy. It's a great, great joy. And these buildings fill up. It should bring us joy. When, when we baptize people, we baptized 600 people in the last four years. It's like dunkathon around. It should bring us great, great joy. And Jesus would look and say, and all these people, do not mistake these people as your enemies. They're your opportunities. And we have a common ground that we can tell them the good news of Jesus on. Right? Here's the third thing I said this. To do this, we have to move in unison motivated by a promise. I was thinking about like, I think life, because I'm one of my mentors is getting near the end of his. And so I was just thinking about his life and how that plays out, like what you leave behind and all those kind of things. And, and uh, I was doing that, I was reading my Bible and I just got reading in the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, part of what the book of Revelation does is it describes heaven a lot and what will happen at the end of time and what that's gonna look like in heaven. And one of the images that the apostle John gives us is this, he says, after I saw a vast crowd too great to count every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. You start running the math on that building. You start running the math on that building. Right? On a given Saturday at Montrose, just with game day, just the kids' basketball, you have 2,500 to 3,000 people on a Saturday. So you start looking at a facility the size of that gym at Gent Road, and you can, you can run 5,000 people a week through that, no problem, discipling them, training them, times 52 weeks, times 50 years, which is about a half-life of a church building. It's 13 million people. And you start thinking about getting to be a part of creating this. That for all of eternity, some of the people in that vast crowd are there because they found common ground and because they were viewed as a harvest, not an enemy. And you start doing the math on that and it's a powerful, powerful thing. One of my favorite things that, in the, that John goes on, he says this later on in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. 
The Bible says this, the spirit, this is the spirit of God and the bride, this is you if you're a Christ follower, the church. The spirit and the church say, come, let anyone who hears this, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires, drink freely from the water of life. And so what God is saying is, is his people stand with him. We stand with him and we say to people, come. There is a savior, there is life, there is hope, come. Come where? Probably the volleyball. Probably the pickleball, probably to a common ground that makes sense to you in a common conversation that makes sense to you, to a place that we can start. We can start loving you and we can start telling you and we can start helping you and we can, and we have this opportunity in a unique way to stand with our Lord and beckon those that he loves. And he has given us this opportunity. And it's actually greater than we could ask or imagine because we had no idea this was where we were going to be five years later. But he did. And he even relieved the financial burden of it through you. And so we have a new day. And we have a, a new way to act on an old vision. It's been given to us by our Lord. We get to call people to salvation. We get to call people to life in Christ. We get to call people to find their purpose in God. We, we get to do that. And then we get to spend eternity with them. And we get to, we get to enjoy that harvest of righteousness, not just, our life isn't over when we die. It, not just on the planet. For all of eternity, we, we get a reward for that. So that building isn't going to call anybody. It's just a building. That's all it is. It's not a trophy. It's just a tool that we're going to start using it's a memorial to God's faithfulness. Like, it should put a smile on your face. It's fun. It's amazing. But it's a tool to be used by God's people to find common ground, to embrace the harvest, and to enjoy the reward of changed lives, right? When I look at this season of grace, guys, this is what I think. I think this is your opportunity to write your chapter of God's story. It's the spirit and the bride. And God gives us this incredible invitation. He's like, I'm writing a story that glorifies me, but you get to pen parts of it. Abraham, if you'll trust me, 
We'll talk about how I work through you, but it's really my story. David, if you'll go get that rock and kill that giant, we'll talk about David and Goliath. Like, it's your story, but it's, it's my story. Joseph, if you remain faithful and serve, it's your story, but it's my story. Peter, if, if, you, if you drop your nets and come follow me, it's your story, but it's my story. Paul, if you, if you will turn from being a Pharisee and a persecutor, uh, it, it's your story, but it's my story. Jeff, Mike, Aaron, Sarah, Michelle. It's your story, but it's my story. And I've given you something that you can use. And I put you on the planet at a time that is going to be extremely useful. And if you'll proclaim the good news through your life, you get to be in on an action. And when, when they're all standing there, you get rewarded because the spirit and the bride... Guys, this is a riot, and it's fun, and I am so excited. And it is a new chapter at Grace, and I'm excited about that too. And it's a new chapter for you. And I hope you take advantage of every, every opportunity. Thank you for being faithful, unbelievably faithful. Thank you for all the ways that you serve. Some of you have never picked a ball up in your life and you serve Jesus and every night, right? So I, I got that. Some of you would be hurt if we threw a ball at you, right? So I got it. But thanks for playing in the band. You know, it's like it's... So we're all gonna serve Jesus in all kinds of different ways, but we're gonna do that together. And when we do these things in unity and we do it in unison... God blesses us in, in these unique ways and we get to be a part of it, right? Would you pray with me? Jesus, love you, thank you. God, it's unbelievable what you've done and what you're doing, Lord. I just, man, God, did the, every time that you ask this church for something, they say yes to you. Every time. And God, I think that's why you, you bless us and you entrust us with more and more. So thank you. So we're asking you that again. God, thanks for giving us this. It's fun. We see your faithfulness and your goodness in all of it. And God, our hearts long for the souls that will enter this brick and mortar. Our hearts long for the salvation that can be found in this brick and mortar. Our hearts long for the love that can be expressed in this brick and mortar. So Jesus, give us that. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for letting us in on the action. Continue to lead us forward. In your powerful, holy, precious name, Jesus.